Welcome to the What the Fuck Is That podcast, where we ask the age-old question of what the fuck is that? I'm your host, Jess. I'm Jen. What's up, Jenny? How much? How much? you? This is our first episode! That it is. I, so, I will say, this is a re-record. We had originally recorded, just in like, we want to be honest and transparent from the beginning. We didn't know what we were doing. Absolutely not. We recorded this first episode. I went back. It was in February that we recorded it. Oh, God. Like, I started these notes in December. That was so long ago. We recorded in February the first time we did this. And then we were editing a more recent episode, and I listened to it, and we were both just kind of like... Should re-record this because it was Dude, that was so long ago, like what, back in December to now. Yeah. That so much has happened. Now we have an actual podcast coming out. Yeah. It's amazing to see where we started out from to now. My brain went the the amount of time it took us from like actually putting it together to now (laughs) has been the amount of time for a baby. It's been like, un- by the time we put out the show, it'll be September 1st. It will, yes. So it'll be a nine-month process. God. But yeah, this is our first episode, and we're really excited to have everyone here. In our first episode, I really just want to be like, hey, this is what we are and what we do. So we are a paranormal, true crime, all things spooky ooky, like gets under your skin type podcast. We will do anything from talking about serial killers to cults to cryptids because trust me mothman is on the list (laughs) we will talk about that big wing daddy i guarantee you oh i've been for a while (laughs) i don't think you understand how much people fucking love mothman i can imagine oh it's gonna be so good to teach you about him and then i'm gonna show you (laughs) all the fan art that people (laughs) So send me all, I want all of it. I want all of your favorite Mothman fan art. And you can send that to our Instagram. And our Instagram is WTF is that pod. So on Instagram, that's WTF is that pod. We announce a week ahead of time what the topics for each episode are. You can get special sneak peeks and behind the scenes pictures. That's also the spot where we're just going to do probably the most updating is through the Instagram. Yeah. And then also, if you listen to this show and you're like, wow, these two spooky bitches are fucking awesome, you can head over to our Patreon at What the Fuck Is That Podcast. That's WTF Is That Podcast at Patreon. Nice plug in. Thank you. So this episode will be a particularly special episode because as opposed to every other episode that we will be doing, which will be either me or Jen telling a story... This one, we are going to tell two stories. They're both a little bit shorter stories, but just equally as spooky-ooky. Absolutely. So let's head on into it. Hey, Jess. Hey, Jen. Have you ever heard of the Emily Morgan Hotel? What the fuck is the Emily Morgan Hotel? I'd love to tell you. Awesome. So my story takes place in Texas. That's where I'm from. Ooh. 
<laughs> Born and raised in Texas, uh, so that's kind of what we decided our first our first episode was gonna be was gonna be uh, kind of hometown legends. So the history of the Emily Morgan Hotel, it was built on the grounds where the Mexican forces fought the Texans in the long barracks of the Alamo in 1836. Yeah, notoriously bloody. Like, yes. lots of people died. Yes. Lots, lots, lots. Over 600 men died. Oh, that's... Yeah, mm. I had... That was my next fact. Oh, that's a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Like, because of how massive the grounds were... The Emily Morgan Hotel, where you see it. So this is obviously all in San Antonio now. Uh-huh. This is literally downtown San Antonio. And when you're looking at the Alamo, the Emily Morgan is probably one to two blocks down. So you can see like how much death happened over this span of land. Oh yeah. You know, so six hundred men, a lot. But some of the most notable features is the gargoyles to depict various medical ailments. Which I thought was cool. I've never noticed that. That's like, okay, so I know gargoyles are supposed to be, like, a big protection thing, which would be a really cool episode to do just on, like, gargoyles and home protectors. But it's the ailment part where I'm just like, who made these? It's weird that they're medical ailments. I have no idea. I would love to know why. Is that a normal thing for gargoyles or... I don't think it's a normal thing for gargoyles, but I think it could be linked to the fact that uh, it actually used to be used as a medical arts building. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm assuming that's why there were medical It's ailments. literal. Yeah. It, it's, it's literal medical art. Apparently it housed over 100 medical professionals. Um, it's believed to have a section dedicated to those suffering from psychological conditions. So you know the type of care that those people were having. Yeah. For that time. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like they were just in a padded room. So it opened as a hotel in 1984. It was inducted into the Historic Hotels of American Organization. Ooh, that's kind of cool. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I knew, like, historic landmarks were a thing. Yeah, I didn't know the, like, historic hotels existed. Yeah, which, I mean, makes sense yeah. now that I'm thinking of it, but it's not one of those things where I've been like, you know what, the Historic Hotel Society. <laughs> yeah, it's not something you'd automatically go Google search. So it's named after the infamous Emily Morgan, um, and we'll get to her story in a little bit. Ooh, infamous. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It's definitely your kind of story. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so there's actually a blank space between the 14th floor and the observation tower for a clock that was never installed. Oh, that's that would have been cool as shit. It really would have. Like, if you look at the, the building uh-huh. structurally, like, you see where it could have gone. Yeah, and it's just like, ugh. Oh. Yeah. I wonder if they're ever going to put it in or if they're just like, eh, fuck it. I doubt it since it's a historical figure now. Yeah, but still, that would be like bringing it true to its original vision, you know? Yeah, I don't know. That's definitely something we'd have to watch for in the future. Oh, yeah. So there's actually no true 14th floor due to omitting the 13th floor due to superstition, which, you know, is typical with most hotels... Which I think is, I found that out as a child, and I thought that was the coolest fact I had ever learned. (laughs) Like, it was my first, like, spooky fact that I really remember knowing, and I was like, 
yeah, I'm cool because I know this, like, <laughs> type kid. Little did we know that 13 is actually a lucky number. So we're going to get into a little bit of the history of who Emily Morgan was. Ooh. She was born Emily D. West in 1815 and died in 1891. So originally she was a free woman of color. Um, Ooh, good girl. Yeah, so she was from New Haven, Connecticut. However, she was kidnapped by the Mexican cavalry and ended up being sold. She's a free woman. You leave her the fuck alone. According to Santa Ana, no. (laughs) That's, yeah. Yeah. You know, when she was kidnapped by the Mexican cavalry, the morning of the Battle of San Jacinto, Santa Ana apparently invited Emily into his tent. Hmm. He said, hey, homegirl, slither on over here. And the story goes that he was actually found after Texans won, huddling under a tree in a dressing gown and slippers. Ooh, she got him. She said, you want to make me not a free woman? That's fine. I'll free you of your clothing. So some say he tried to escape cross-dressing as a woman. A British traveler, William Bolliart, Later wrote in 1842, the Battle of San Jacinto was probably lost to the Mexicans owing to the influence of a mulatto girl belonging to Colonel Morgan, who was closeted in the tent with General Santa Ana at the time the cry was made, the enemy, the enemy, they come. She delayed Santa Ana so long that an order could not be restored readily again. That is the ultimate feminine move right hey i didn't have to drop a single drop of blood but you still won you're fucking welcome even though texas won and apparently she had a hand in helping texas win she was stranded in texas wow i love that they're just like thanks kate bye yeah completely And so during that time that she was captured um, Uh and traded, she lost all of her paperwork, including her passport, which (gasps) claimed her as a free woman. Oh, no. And to not have that documentation in the South. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah, it's not a great time for her. Well, especially since there might still be some Mexican soldiers who see her and take her because they knew she was a slave or like... You just don't know. A lot of different things could have happened. But here comes Major Isaac Moreland, a commander in the Texas military at Galveston, vouched for her, um, which allowed Emily to continue her travels. Yes! It was noted that she was immediately on her way to New York in March of 1837. Many contribute Emily to the song The Yellow Rose of Texas, even though any correlation between the two have been disproven. So if you're from Texas, pretty much you know the Yellow Rose of Texas. If you don't... Tell us for all the (laughs) non-Texans and me, because I only lived there for three years. (laughs) If you don't, go look it up. (laughs) Oh, fuck off. Okay, fine. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, that was certainly a song that we just listened to. (laughs) Okay, so if you want to look it up, because apparently there's... 25 fucking versions it took us forever to find it it's the yellow rose of texas by ernest tub with two b's (laughs) all right so that was just a little background on who emily morgan was and why 
they decided to use such a historic woman's name. Here are some of the mysterious occurrences that happened in this hotel. Ooh, we love a spooky hotel. Absolutely. I, to this day, still want to go and stay at this hotel. We should go. We should make that a Patreon goal. Absolutely. Staff and guests have shared stories to assume the hotel is haunted, which obviously is why we're talking about it. Yeah. Because, like, if you're going to believe anyone, I'm going to believe people who work there and have to see it on the daily. Oh, yeah. Because any guest can hear a bump in the night and be like, I was so scared and have sleep paralysis. But if you're working there every day, you're going to see some shit. Yeah, absolutely. So apparently phones would ring in the middle of the night with no one on the other end. Mm. Uh, Several reports of seeing doors close on their own and like feeling some sort of presence. People have actually heard hearing like hospital carts outside their rooms, like squeaking past their rooms. That's super spooky, especially with it being a medical arts. Yeah. The 14th floor has a distinct smell of antiseptic or, like, a Band-Aid smell. Ew. Yeah. That made my stomach churn at just thinking of the thought of what that smells like. Well, to be quite honest, I'm so very used to antiseptic. Like, I work in a hospital, so I don't think it would really bother me. That's fair, but I'm just thinking, like, old, like, antiseptic, like, band-aids when it's been, like, filled up. Yeah, I think you're thinking of, like, a totally different... I also have toddlers, so I... Who are going through a band-aid phase. So just the thought of that smell, I'm like, that's okay. (laughs) Guests have also reported a woman in white walk in the halls there's always a woman in white always a woman in always white. a woman in white yeah you know gotta gotta have her somewhere most of the haunted floors are the 7th 9th 12th and 14th floors that's a lot of them yeah that's like a fourth of them yeah <laughs> uh people recommend to stay on the 7th floor if you're looking for a spooky spooky time Ooh. yeah why We'll get there. So we're going to start out with the 14th floor. So this floor, people have generally stated that it shockingly resembles a hospital setting smell. Ooh. Yeah, so like back to that antiseptic, like sterile smell, Um, which again, probably wouldn't bother me. Like I'm so used to it. Yeah. But like, again, that is such a specific scent. Yeah. It says that it was the medical arts building waiting area originally on the 14th floor yeah i don't know what (laughs) i don't know maybe it was just like some type of lobby that was like maybe if like your loved one is in surgery that's where they have you go instead of just sitting like with people waiting to go to other things yeah i'm not entirely sure how it was structured originally but that's what it said interesting yeah that's what my research said that's bizarre it really is (laughs) so i'm assuming it has to be like some type of waiting like uh surgical waiting area yeah like a holding room yeah you know something like that so some of the experiences these people have are doors opening to the hallway as a scene from a hospital Ooh. yeah so like these doors will open and it'll show like It'll look like a hospital. It's like a time slip. Yes. Ooh. 
Those are fascinating hauntings to me. I would love to talk about this on another episode, but I genuinely believe that there's different kinds of hauntings. Oh, yeah. All right, so now on to the 12th floor. This used to be the operating floor of the Medical Arts Building. I can expect it to be a little haunted. Yeah, just like a little bit. There's a little bit going on there. Yeah, just, just a tad. Guests have seen in their bathroom uh, the doors opening and closing and the sink turning on by Ooh. itself. Yeah, and then everything, like, I guess kind of returns to normal as soon as they step into the bathroom. That's the worst because yeah. they're just watching. They know exactly what they're doing yeah. and they're just like, let me see how much I can fuck with you. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'd just start ignoring. Yeah. And be like, nope. There have been apparitions of nurses in the hallways pushing Ooh. like old gurneys. Yeah. Which again, there's so many time slips in so this. So many. So many. I want to go experience one. I've experienced one before, but I want to do it again as an adult. I haven't, and those seem, like, just for our at-home viewers, we're both sensitives, yes. so we both can pick up on these things. But I haven't been in a time slip situation. I can usually handle myself pretty well around spirits, but I don't know how I would handle a situation like that. I'm not going to lie, it's really trippy. Like, it's a little disorienting. I would think so, because it's one of those things where you're like, I see everything else going on, but that's also right there. Yeah. Yeah, and I would love to go into detail about mine at some point eventually. It's trippy, I'll say that. Gotcha. So the swimming pool uh, was constructed out of stainless steel from the operating tables. No! No! Who approved that? Who was like, we need to save money. Just take them out of the operating rooms. No. No. As one of my good friends has told me, waste not, want not. No. And if she's listening, she knows exactly who she is. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. That is horrifying. (laughs) Oh, God. I just found all these crosses in that empty field over there and used it to make a house. What's the fucking problem? Oh, God. That's wild. Why yeah. would you do... Who approved this? Why I would no you do idea. that? I have no idea. Anyways, um, according to staff and guests, the elevators have a mind of their own. That's not a invention that I want to have a mind of its own. (laughs) Apparently, there are also calls to the front desk with no guests on the elevator, so, like, the phone, I guess the emergency phone, or, like, that phone that's inside most elevators. But, yeah, so, no guests were on the elevator at the time that that call is made out. Ooh! Yeah. Um, It'll actually go past requested floors. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, actually, you're going to stay on the 13th floor. Just wait. Oh, no. It's going to bring them to the worst floors. Suddenly, guests are taken down to the basement. (gasps) No! Where the morgue was. No, it's always a morgue. Oh, it's always a morgue. (laughs) 
So here we get to the basement. No, the basement is never a good spot. You never want to be in the basement. <laughs> I'm glad what happened in this basement other than dead people. So there have been sightings of like glowing orbs dancing. Um, there have also been reports of disembodied voices. And you ready for this one? No, I'm not, but you're going to tell me anyways, because that's the point of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, the smell of burning flesh. Ew. Which, again, it's so specific. Yeah. It's so specific. <laughs> it's, like, disgustingly specific. Yeah, so that's the basement. At least it, I mean, we kind of got to the worst of the worst. Yeah, like, I'll say that's the worst. That the worst one's an it. understandable haunting. If you're having yeah. a, if you have a haunted building, the basement's probably real bad. Probably. Like, just... Stay away. Just don't go in. Stay away if you can. But, I mean, apparently it's taking guests on its own. I mean... You know, so... It's not that's like more we... ominous. <laughs> I don't think that made me feel better. Like, we're gonna take the stairs, bitch, when we go. We're not getting on the elevator. There's 14 floors. <laughs> Get stepping. <laughs> uh, so here we are to the seventh floor. Dun, dun, dun. I couldn't find, like, really confirmation of this specific ghost, but there have been reports of, like, a haunted ghostly bride. Oh, again, it's always... This place sounds like the most stereotypical haunted place. Yeah. Because we are just hitting all of the major notes of, like, a basement, a bride, a lady in white. (laughs) Yeah, and... It's about to get even more stereotypical. Like I said before, it is the most haunted floor of this hotel. Guests have heard a woman screaming in the middle of the night. Oh, no. Yeah. That's not a sound you want to hear. Absolutely not. whether it's real or ethereal, neither way is good. Yeah, no. There have been apparitions appearing in the guest rooms and in the mirrors. Ooh. Yeah. So, I guess they really like to play there. And mirrors are supposed to be, like, portals, too, yeah, which makes it exactly. even creepier. I know. No, thank it's you. It's like, ugh, I get the ick from here. Yeah, like, that's okay. <laughs> Many guests have left in the middle of the night or have demanded to switch rooms. Oh, shit. And people willingly go here knowing that this is haunted, and people willingly go here knowing that it is listed as the third most haunted hotel in the world. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. And that's the story of the Emily Morgan Hotel. That's cool. Yeah. We should definitely go to there. Yeah. But anyways, and now it's my turn. It so, is. hey, Jen. Hey, Jess. Do you know about the Wolf Manor? What the fuck is the Wolf Manor? I can't wait to tell you. Tell me. So, this story is in Clovis, California, a little town outside of Fresno. It's known as the Gateway to the Sierras. And here stood, because it is demolished now, I will say. It's very sad. Here stood Wolf Manor, or Andrew's Estate, and it was built in 1922. And we're just going to call it Wolf Manor from now on because it's taken on several names that we'll go over. Okay. But for the most part, it's known as Wolf Manor. Got it. And we'll get to 
that whole thing later on. Cool, cool. But it was an opulent mansion that was built by a young tycoon. He was born in Italy in 1893 as Anthony Andrade, and he changed it to Anthony Tony Andrews when he came to the States from Italy. Okay. He wanted to seem a little bit more Americanized because he was coming in as this wealthy tycoon. Yeah. Um, but I legit have no idea like what type of tycoon he was, how he made his money, or how he got to America. And I searched. I could not find anything. So this is all I got. Like Okay. It it was ridiculous. Um, so just because the house was so damn huge, yeah. he went bankrupt from the upkeep alone. Oh jeez. So this Italian tycoon comes, builds his dream house, and goes bankrupt immediately. And so then he turns to drinking, and he passed away in 1929 at 36. Oh, goodness. Only seven years after building the house. Wow. So we are off just to a great start. So, like, he didn't die in the house. Like, okay. he went bankrupt, and it was taking, taken right. away from him. Right. But it then, like, dropped yeah. him into a depression of drinking. Him. and Yeah. It he died was... at 36. Jeez. So, yeah. So, we're... imagine the liver damage. Like, he obviously had to have died from cirrhosis of the liver. Oh, yeah. And, like, geez, I've seen the damage that disease does to a person, and it's just... But how much you have to be drinking to die at 36 of that? That's insane. But, yeah, so we're just off to a real great... After Tony's death, it actually sat vacant for a while because, you know, like, the whole Great Depression of it all. Yeah. And it actually reopened as Hazelwood Sanitarium in 1935 because, as we did with all old buildings, obviously just make it a sanitarium or a mental hospital uh, because why not? Of course. So this was housing specifically for TB patients. And if you've ever seen conditions of like a TB ward, there's a ton of bad energy. Oh, yeah. Because they just could not get people to stay like working there. And there was always too many patients. They were essentially just there dying. And in 1942, it was purchased by the Telford family okay. and then changed to the Calvis avenue sanitarium so this is when it switched from being just a tb hospital to being for the mentally and physically ill mentally and physically ill so that basically means anyone who has any type of physical disability yep so i literally wrote down this was anyone from people with mental disabilities tuberculosis to female hysteria wow yeah and so, like, a lot of these mentally ill patients were just dropped off by their family, and they never saw their family again. Wow, that's wild to me. It's insane. Then in the 1950s, there was an additional ward added onto the land that was for the elderly. Of course there was. Yeah. So these rooms were packed with people. They literally couldn't keep a nurse on staff for more than 30 days. So there were two patient-on-patient -patient murders in the oh, same geez. year. It was said that during this time, the sanitarium averaged a death a day. That's not normal. So the worst part is this area was very remote. The undertaker couldn't come every day 
because of how remote Clovis was at the time. No, please don't tell me. So they would put them no. in the basement. Of course they did. And that's where they would stay for upwards of a week. Oh my God. For the undertaker to come and take them away. The smell. Yeah. I could not imagine the smell. No, because these patients didn't really have anyone to watch over them and there's just wild shit going on. No one's getting taken care of. Pure chaos, yeah. But they are also in a mental hospital, so there are things put up to prevent themselves from, like, unaliving themselves. Yeah. So one patient did the horrifying thing of trying to unalive himself with a fire extinguisher. Oh. He put the nozzle in his mouth and pulled to try to asphyxiate himself. Oh my god. Whoa. So with all of that going on, it's not really a surprise that the facility closed in 1992. Yeah, that's not a surprise. Yeah. For it to take that long to be shut down. Oh yeah, that's insane. Because let's see, it was taken over as a sanitarium for this one in 1942. So, like, 48 years this was operating. But you have to remember, this was during a time that that was just normal. I mean, fair. That was just a thing that happened. And no one really talked about it because they all wanted the option of being able to ship people off there if they really needed to. The house took on its final life when Todd Wolf purchased the estate in 1997. Okay. So he had the intention of making it into a haunted attraction, but actually had to stop because of the spirits fucking with him. (laughs) Like, it got to the point that he couldn't keep a crew. So at that point, he's like, okay, let's make it an Airbnb But then Todd was worried about the liability of the ghosts fucking with the customers. Yeah. The house was sadly demolished on November 16th, 2014. Let's get into all of the hauntings that happened before this home was demolished. I would just like to say, if I can, I might be jumping ahead of everything. Go ahead, do it. But the fact that you demolish the house doesn't doesn't get rid of anything that's oh, there. Oh, I can't wait that, that you land. said that. Just wait. We'll get there. All right, so let's start with, like, a more mild salsa haunting. Okay. And then we'll get up to a habanero pepper haunting. Just got to get more spicy as we go. <laughs> First of all, after the sanitarium closed, there were just, like, a shit ton of break-ins. Uh-huh. Police were patrolling the area, but the police would also get constant 911 calls from inside the house. Oh, no, I don't like that. Which, like, okay, some vandals going in, uh, calling 911 on the phone. Yeah, great, except for the fact that the home had no power or phone lines. Mm, no, don't like that. Yeah, like no, that so there is literally no way for them to call 911, but they would get 911 calls at least once a week from the house. Nope. Don't like it. Nope. Yeah. Run away. So, remember your question about the spirits and the land? Oh, and God, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, all the spirits got moved from the larger barracks to the main house when they had destroyed that addition, and a medium wanted to try to save them. So, now there is even more energy oh, in geez. one little tiny spot 
And I'm sure some of those ghosts were not happy about being moved in the first place. Oh, 100%. Understandably, there's a lot of dark entities. There are a ton of stories of people getting pushed, their hair pulled, legs grabbed. There is just so much energy coursing through this house. There's a room called the Red Room. Nope. And when you're standing in the room, you can hear full hospital ward sounds all around you. I think that Stephen King movie already, like, proved to us anything called the Red Room. Yeah, absolutely not. Don't do it. If you venture down to our all-favorite room of the house, the basement, (sighs) you will probably feel like you're being followed. Oh, that's not funny. There have been doorknobs heard turning in rooms that have no doorknobs. Nope. Don't like that. Visible orbs flying. Uh Uh-uh. Several people who have gone into the house reported bringing home an unwanted male spirit with them and they had to drive back to the manor to return him. As if he's just there and they drive him back like, here you go, this is yours. Like a lost puppy or something. So the funny thing is, is that as a healthcare worker, like I just imagine that he still thinks the hospital's there. It's a patient that ended up escaping and they're returning him. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can definitely see that within a hospital. Oh, that makes more sense for this next part. Okay, so he's a male patient and you can tell that it's him because he has a cigar smell a deep voice, and he'll just move random objects around. So, like, maybe he's just a little old man who had dementia, and he just forgets what's... Oh! He just accidentally followed them. That's... Okay, that's a little wholesome old man ghost. (laughs) I mean, we can be hopeful of that, Um, right? Yeah. Because then there's also a man who will just stand at the top of the stairs and push people down them. Oh, no, that one we don't want. Yeah, um... I feel like that one's Tony, and he doesn't want people invading the home that he loves. Like, people who have experienced this Uh have felt that it's not, like, a patient that was there, but somebody who had a deep, like, physical attachment to the home. Okay. I can see that. Even though you don't die at a place, that doesn't mean that you can't haunt the place. Yeah. There's all that going on in the home. That's not even the major entities in the home. Because we have three main entities that have the most documentation. They are an elderly woman named Mary. Okay. A younger girl named Emily. Okay. And a strange figure they have named, and you're going to hate this, Man Baby. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. I knew you were going to hate it. I hated it. Absolutely not. Oh, my God. Okay, so we'll start with Man Baby. No, please. So there's the least on him, if that makes you feel better. Fine, let's get it over with. (laughs) And it's actually a little sad. Okay, so he's just kind of, like, huddles by himself in the corner. Okay. And he doesn't talk, but the picture is a little scary. But if you think about it, he must have been in there for a disability... His face didn't fully develop. Yeah. He never learned how to talk or communicate if he was dropped there as a baby. So, like, that one's a little sad. But also, choose a better name for him. Just make a name for him. Just decide. This is Harold. 
Harold's you know, the man baby. Like no, <laughs> that just makes it worse. That's Harold. Um <laughs> Let's okay. move on to Emily. So Emily is the little girl, and no one knows like what happened to her. Okay. She could have been left by her parents, or her parents were patients that passed away at the hospital, or her family honestly could have just moved there for being poor. Because like that's a fucking weird thing that used to happen. Yeah. You would be put in like a sanitarium if you were just homeless. They're like, we don't know what to do with you, so we're just going to put you here. I mean... So you're not on the street. <laughs> Need I remind you, a death a day. Doesn't matter if there's a roof it. over my head, if I have to worry it. about surviving <laughs> every day. It's not worth it. I mean, don't you worry about having to survive every day? Not like that. <laughs> It's mostly my own internal struggle. It's not like <laughs> I might need to fight another patient today. Anyways. Even though no one really knows how she died, there are a lot of accounts of people playing near the manor with a little girl only to turn around and she's gone. And it seems like she just wants someone to play with. Like, no one has had a bad interaction with her. Oh, well, that's good, at least. Yeah. Sometimes she would have a little boy with her who wouldn't really talk but she's just a general little girl spirit who wants to be there and play with little kids, which yeah. is how you know that it's an actual spirit is when people are like, she just wanted to play, nothing felt negative, yeah. and it's not inside the house. Yeah. No one is luring them to the house. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good note, I guess, if there's gonna be a spirit there yeah at least it's not like a creepy little girl spirit yes so then finally we have mary and mary is the elderly spirit of the manor mary has a whole room and she is very protective of it okay well had a whole room the whole house is demolished now but she had a whole room it was very protective of it she had a specific chair that you could not move And if you did, she would move it back. Oh, that's creepy. You don't fuck with Mary's shit. She likes it a specific way. Leave it alone. I mean, I get that. I get it, girl. Like, you know, the tism just does not let you move anything. Well, and with everything going on, she's just like, this is my space. I will not die in here. There you go. Don't touch shit. (laughs) People step into her room and immediately get bad vibes. She just flat out doesn't want people in there. She will literally rush into people to push them out of the room. Oh, jeez. Yeah, the Wolf Manor earned its name of a black hole, and I'm honestly kind of bummed that I didn't get a go. But I went to school in 2014 and wasn't, like, into paranormal at the time. So it was only, like, up for a couple of months when I had gotten to college. Um, and Ghost Adventures has an episode on it, so you know we'll be watching that later. <laughs> and that was the Wolf Manor. Loved it. Thank you. It's kind of like, it's like a little creepy. It's like an introductory creepy spooky. So with that, how we're going to end all of our shows is a creepy note from our resident creep master extraordinaire, Jen. Me. 
So what do you have for us today? So I was originally going to go with one fact, but after going through these stories, I think I'm going to change it. Ooh, a pivot. Yes. You know, cremations, they happen, right? Okay. Well, there is a specific point during the cremation process where the meat is cooked perfectly. I'll leave you with that. I don't... Don't why? <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, like, I guess. <laughs> All right. And with that, you can follow us on social media on Instagram at WTF is that pod. If you like what you heard today, come on over to our Patreon at WTF is that podcast. Over there, you can get early releases some extra content from us, all that good stuff, a private Discord chat. Fun, fun. And we can't wait to talk to you guys next time. We hope you enjoyed our first episode of What the Fuck is That? Bye! Bye!